today's episode of Leader Stories, I am blessed to have Brenda Lilly with us. Brenda, thank you so much for coming to spend some time with us. Thanks for being here. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. So Brenda, on Leader Stories, we just share stories of leaders in our network, uh, the things that God has done in and through them, and some insightful ways that we see God at work in our lives to help encourage the rest of us to see, hey, God can do some unique and special things. So you have a very unique story. And I do. A unique place that God has placed you. So won't you give us the 30,000 foot view, how you got here, how you got to your current ministry assignment, and uh, maybe the touch points of where God led you along the way. Sure. So um, I began performing at the age of six, and I fell in love with being on the stage and being behind the stage. It didn't much matter where I was. Um, I was always doing something with performance from the age of six. At the age of 12, uh, my brother brought me to church, and Jesus got a hold of my heart that day, and I was led to the Lord. And I fell in love with Jesus, and I couldn't get enough of him. Mm. And I love theater, I love Jesus, and I love my church. Mm. Unfortunately, in that order, for <laughs> you could find me, if I wasn't at the church, I was in the theater. If I wasn't in the theater, I was at the church. Pretty much that was my life mm. for four years. Wow. And then at the age of 16, I was uh, going into the church for a choir practice. We were getting ready for Easter. And the deacons and the pastor asked me to come and sit with them for a minute. And they told me I needed to stop doing theater or Uh, stop coming to church because it didn't please the Lord. And so in my 16-year-old mind, I, I just couldn't put those two thoughts together. I couldn't hear that they were afraid for me. All I heard was their fear sort of turned into judgment. Wow. And so um, I got up and I said, don't worry, you won't see me again. And I left the church that day and I left God that day. And I went out out into the world. Um, You know, I had had four really good years Mm. with the Lord and with the body of Christ. and, And I just broke fellowship with all of it that day. And I went into the darkness and the uncertainty that so many artists live in, Mm. right? Um, But I just couldn't understand a God who had gifted me Mm. and then found me displeasing for using those gifts. Mm. I know it's a complete lie now. Obviously, I'm an adult. um, But at 16, I couldn't hear that. So uh, for the next few years, I just kept working on theater, working on my craft, growing in it. I got a degree in theater and in television production. Um, I moved out to Hollywood. I worked in Hollywood for a few years. I moved back after the 94 earthquake and started stage managing professionally Mm -hmm. for regional companies uh, all up and down the East Coast and going on national tours. And I also worked for uh, Shakespeare Shakespeare and Company up in Lenox, Massachusetts for seven years. And... um, I was on tour actually with Romeo and Juliet and we were down in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Hmm. And uh, it was our first day. We had a production meeting and I met our new props master down there. Her name was Adrian. And she was just so full of life and love and she was so vivacious and we were just howling with laughter through the entire production meeting. It was like I had known her all my life and I had just met her, you wow. know? And uh, so she, yeah, it's really cool, right? I love those moments. Yes. And um, so she asked me out to dinner that night and and so we went and 
I just, I didn't know what it was about her, but she just had such love streaming out every pore. Mm. And I wanted to know more. And so at the end of dinner, she asked me if I knew Jesus. Mm. And I stopped for a minute. And, I, and then I told her my story. Wow. She took me back to the hotel where we were staying and uh, she looked at me before she let me out of the car. And <laughs> she said, you know, uh, the God I serve has very big shoulders. Hmm. And wow. so he can handle whatever you need to say to him, but you have to talk to him. Hmm. So if I can give you any advice, I would say just have a little talk with Jesus. Hmm. And for the first time in 15 years, I went to my room and I prayed mm. and I yelled and I wept. Mm. It was both hard and beautiful, but I still wasn't ready. Mm. It took another two years and Adrian started working at Shakespeare and Company and she just kept pouring into me and pouring God's love and keeping me surrounded in it, you know? Mm. And um, then in uh, 2002, I was telling you earlier, I was asked out on a date and um, <laughs> this gentleman, normally I say no to dating actors because, you know, we're a little crazy. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so, but he was really cute. So I said, yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, I asked him where we were going. And he said, I think I'm bringing you to church. And I just started laughing because my brother was a pastor. And I thought he would really think this <laughs> is funny that my first date with this guy is to a church. So we went to this little church up the road, a little Methodist church that I knew as the pancake church, because that's how I had been going just to get some pancakes once a month. <laughs> and the second song was Amazing Grace. And my heart broke open wide and I just started crying, like ugly cry, not like pretty Clyde, you know, like oh, that yeah. dainty girly cry. No, 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 no. Like snot coming out of my nose kind nice. of crying. Yeah, it was great. First date. And so uh, I didn't know any other way because I had only had um, an evangelical mm. idea of what church was. This was a liturgical Methodist service, but I didn't know the difference. And so the mm. only thing I knew to do was to run to the altar. Wow. And so I ran to the altar and the pastor in all of his Methodist regalia looked down at me and, and he just said, the altars are open wow. and people came. Mm. And so I prayed and I gave my heart radically back to the Lord that day. And I started praying every day, um, for the Lord to remake me, remold me, mm. and turn me into the person he created me to be in the first place. Mm. And that, and here's the scary part of the prayer. I would go wherever he wanted me to go, and wow. I would do whatever he wanted me to do, that my life was his. Mm. And I would never again leave him or forsake him because of anything anyone did or said, that it was him who, I'm, who I serve. Mm. Right? So jump ahead. I, I, I lost my job. I went through a whole bunch of transitions. And in 2007, uh, the Lord asked me to start learning how to become a pastor. Wow. And so I started taking classes actually here at Snemmon uh, through the School of Ministry. And by 2009, I was uh, in the licensing level. And uh, I met a woman, Judy Mensch. And she was a missionary over in Netherlands and the Lord had given her a vision for a theater company. Mm. 
And so she was at my church and she just sewed out this vision and she said, you know, I don't have a lot of um, information about how to build a theater company. So if you know something about theater and you want to serve the Lord, give me a call. Wow. And so I did. And we met and two years later, uh, so that was the end of 2009. So 2010, I started uh, becoming the, the, started the process of becoming a missionary and a missionary associate first. And I was uh, on the field in 2011. And we started uh, this work together. And then in 2015, I was I became a full career missionary mm. and uh, went back. And Judy went back into Kids Ark Ministry mm. uh, for, you know, what she had done prior to that. And I took over the theater portion of the ministry. Um, and then in 2017, the Lord started whispering in my ear again that there was more to do. Mm. And he gave me this vision for the Bridge Artistic Network, mm. which is a place where artists of every kind can come and grow in their craft and grow in community mm. and in faith if they so choose. But in every class, every conference, every workshop, everything we do, we come out of our ethos of do unto others as you have, would have them do unto you mm. and love your neighbor as yourself. Wow. What kind of a world could we create if we just functioned out of those two places, right? Mm. And how how loved would these artists feel? Mm. And how how much love will they feel when we start to just bathe the room in that? Wow. And so that's what the bridge is about. Um, I'm now uh, with Artists for Community Transformation, and I'm going forth back to the Netherlands, mm. and uh, we're going to build this thing, and it's going to, Go great guns, I hope. Come on. Wow. There's so much to unpack there. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. there's, there's so many exciting twists and turns of the story, but can you bring us to that moment when you said at 16, they told you theater and church didn't mix. Yes. And years later, <laughs> you come to this moment where God is saying, hey, that gift works. Can you bring us there? Can you tell us what that moment was like and what that did for your relationship with God? Yeah, you know, it was it was actually when I met Adrian, right? Because I had been walking sort of without any connection to God for 15 years before I met her. And so I was really thoroughly unplugged from the entire Christian world. Mm. I had no idea what was going on. And so when I met Adrian and she said, oh, I just finished being the sound guy uh, the sound technician up at Sight and Sound, which is a Christian theater company. Wow. Mm. I didn't even know those two things could coexist, mm. right? Um, and so it was a complete mind bender for me wow. to to meet her and to know that these gifts were actually necessary mm. and that God really did edify them. It changed everything. Wow. It it changed everything about my thought process to God because so for so many years I had attached this, this really dark spot to mm. him. And, you know, the thing about it is, were they wrong mm. to speak their, to speak their fear um, and say, you know, this is not a great, mm. <laughs> a great place to go. Um, no, they, they, if they had, said it differently when I was 16. If only they had spoken out of their faith instead of fear. If only, if only, if only, right? Mm. Um, but the beauty of God is that he redeems all of our time. Mm. 
And he had a plan and a purpose for my life. And he never left me, Mm. right? He kept me alive through so many twists and turns that, I mean, really, I shouldn't be here today. Mm. Several times over, I should not be here today. But he kept me alive, and literally. And, um, And he kept me moving forward. And not only that, but he kept... He kept me working and growing Mm. in the thing that he knew he would use in me Mm. later on. So he didn't want me to lose that. Um, And that's, that's a loving daddy God right there Mm. who says, okay, you've rejected me. I get that. I still want you to get your education. I still want you to grow in this because it's going to be necessary for you to know, Mm. you know, 20 years down the road. Wow. Um, and he's the God of the long view. Mm. He's not the God. He is the God of every moment, but he is the God of the long view. Yeah. And so while we get caught up in the moment, he's mm. like, okay, okay, okay. Shh, shh, shh. It's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. 20 years down the road, you're going to get to use this all of sense. it and I will get the glory and mm. it will be amazing. Mm. And that's, and that's sort of where I'm sitting. Wow. Yeah. I, I find that at a certain point in life, you begin measuring things by the decade. <laughs> yes. You, you measure the hand of God by the decade and you say, God, if it was not for this slight twist of the trajectory this early on, if it wasn't, I wouldn't be where I am today. And so in the tough moments, right, when the twisting and the turning is happening, you're saying, God, where is this going to line up? This is taking me for a ride. But it always seems to be yeah. that God is, uh, it's the setup yeah. for the and climax of the you know, story. You just have to, you know, you just have to put your seatbelt on mm. because it's always going to be a ride. Mm. There's no, I, I, we get, human beings really want the straight and narrow, the straight path. You know, even when we read, oh, it's the straight and narrow road, right? Mm. We really think it's straight. Mm. (laughs) It's just. Not so much. (laughs) No, he's just meaning it's, it's this, you know, it's, yeah, no, it's not a straight road. Anybody who's been walking their faith walk for any amount of time knows it's circuitous at best. Definitely. Wow. So. I'm going to shift gears a bit. Sure. Uh, storytelling is a big part of who you are, of what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, the more I hear about you, how you share your story, it helps me see how you view and, and value story, which is really cool. Because again, it's what we do as Pentecostals. We are, we're testimony people. We're storytellers. Um, tell me about that. Tell me how story has been a part of how you share Christ yeah. um, as a missionary and, and just help us understand that. So um, what I have always done in my life is tell stories um, through theater, through music, through art. And, uh, with stage life theater, which is the company that I run over in the Netherlands, we write our own shows. And, um, so the last show I wrote was called Falorin, which means lost. Mm. And it's based on the parable of the lost son and the lost sheep. I was writing it originally just on the lost son. And I realized it's just dark, 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 dark light Mm. right at the end there, right? When he comes back. But the whole show is like, (laughs) and then you read next in the Bible is the parable of the lost sheep. Mm. And I then started praying about it. And I realized strategically these two stories line up together so perfectly Mm. that I needed to do a mashup, right? So I created this show based on the parable of the lost son and the lost sheep. So not only do we have this, the the showcasing of the lost son's journey into Mm. darkness, which I know so well, Mm. but we also have the journey of the father coming alongside and interacting and and coming in and, and doing these things and making himself known at times and places Mm. until finally 
he's, you know, mm. the prodigal, the prodigal comes home. Right. Mm. And so during the show, we have these two, um, two stories going on simultaneously, which is beautiful. And it brings, it brings, it elevates the deep hurt and pain because we see the, the, the joy and the potential alongside it. Mm. Right. That helps the audience. Wow. not get depressed halfway through your show. Nice. So it's important. That works. Um, yeah. So I, I write shows like that. I've also, uh, the Lord lays them on my heart. And the beautiful thing is when, when the Holy Spirit comes in and sits on me about a show, mm. it does not take very long to write it. Wow. I wrote Fallot, and once I understood what I needed to do, Fallot, and the first draft was written in 27 minutes. Whoa. I just sat down on my computer and I free wrote for 27 minutes, all wow. of the dialogue, all of it. I had the set in my head. Wow. I can see it. Mm. I can, I can experience it. I can walk in the scene and understand it. It's just the way God works in me mm. and in my mind. It doesn't work that way for everybody, but it works <laughs> that way for me. And um, so when I came back here and I was thinking about a new way to itinerate, and that, um, that would work better for me mm. as a human being and an artist, mm. the Lord laid my hiding place, the Corey Tenboom show on my, wow. on my mind. And, um, and I struggled with it for a hot second. And then I sat <laughs> down and I said, okay, what is it? Mm. What is it that Corey would want the world to know today if she were here? Mm. And so... I just made sure that that was the theme through the whole show, that Jesus was the theme through the whole show. Mm. And so that's what we do, right? We write a show that's, uh, that's real, that's hard-hitting, that's, um, I mean, Philodin has somebody actually shoot up and die on stage. Wow. You know? Wow. Um, it's set in 2019. Mm. So everything is now, it's like the devils that we have to deal with now. Mm. Um, he goes to prison. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> you know, it's, it's it, it, every, every, every single thing that you can imagine, mm. uh, someone on that sort of side would go through. That's where we put him. Mm. And, um, and that's what Jesus rescue rescues him from. Right. Mm. So it's, it's just a glorious, uh, epic at the end of it, which is nice. Um, and, uh, yeah, so they're, they're hard hitting, they're real, they're honest, Mm. I, I stay away from cheese as much as possible. <laughs> um, so much, I find so much of Christian uh, drama sometimes can just so, we just dumb it down so much. Mm. And I want to make sure that the dialogue and the things that people are saying to each other resonate with the audience. Mm. I want to make sure my audience can see themselves in, in a character, at least one character in every show, mm. you know, and if I'm only playing one character, which in the Corey show, I'm mainly playing Corey, mm. but I voice like 20 other characters throughout mm. the show. Um, I want to make sure there's a moment that impacts everyone in the audience. Wow. So It's like preaching, right? It's, a, that it's taking a, a story and, and uh, two th quotes, and I'm going to butcher them, but uh, Stanley Hauerwas said this idea of stories are the most fundamental way we talk about God. And if you look through scripture, right, it's mostly story, it's narrative, and it's realized that God has reached out to us through story, gives us stories to reach out to him and the world around us. Um, what did Jesus use? Yeah, right. And parables. parables. And yeah, so it's interesting that you've captured this element and uh, interesting to, to just 
it's also growing and being part of a tradition that's been there. The churches use stories for a while and and uh, to communicate the things of God. And so, what a cool way to grab a hold of a deep concept to relate in a way that communicates deep truth to a modern context. Yeah, a way that's it's low bar for entry into the conversation, which is really exciting. Um, wow. That's great. So again, we're going to shift gears again. I think that's great. We're, we're understanding the power of storytelling and how you're, you're kind of harnessing that for missional purposes. Um, you've ingested a lot of stories. I mean, over the course of producing and making, give us some of your favorites. If, if we were to scroll through your bookshelf of plays, give me the top three. That's a hard ask, I know. But give me the top three. Hard, hard ask. <laughs> um, uh, I think, I mean, I've done Shakespeare a lot in my life. So um, one of my favorites um, is is Midsummer Night's Dream. And it's just, you know, the sense of magic and potential and the, the sense of wonder mm. that is in that show. And it just showcases, for me, it showcases God all over the place. You know, he's in the mm. trees, he's in the forest, he's everywhere, right? Um, and I realize that's probably a stretch for some people, but for me, I see God in almost everything that mm. I perceive. So um, I think most artists do. Mm. Um, so Midsummer Night's Dream, I think I have five different copies of it on my shelf. So <laughs> that would be a big one. Um, the Odd Couple. I'm interested. It's a good, <laughs> funny, funny show. It's a funny show. Um, and I actually got to play the pit, one of the, I was a stage manager of it one day and uh, one time and, and uh, one of our pigeon sisters ended up in hospital wow. and I had four hours to get costumed. So put into costume, put into makeup. I had a 45 minute put in rehearsal yes. and I went on stage that night in front wow. of a paying audience. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. But it was super fun and uh and just yeah, the cast was wonderful. So that's that has a soft place in my heart. So there's those two and then hmm. I think it's probably a Christmas carol. Okay, I like that. Yeah. And I've written a, a version of that for stage life as well. And we go out, we try to go out every year um and to at least three or four churches at around Christmas time and produce wow. that. It's got one of the most redemptive yeah. storylines ever, right? Wow. Um, if you read it and you see that the spirits are actually the spirit of redemption, they're the Holy Spirit. Mm. Come on now. You know, just because mm. they bring him to his redemption. His conviction. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right? He, they they mm. help him to shift mm. and change. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. Wow. So. Wow. That's good. I want to put those on my list and, uh, spend some time tackling through those or finding ways where I can go see those. Um, so this life that you live of a missionary of someone in the theater life is a life lived in community. Yes. Um, so tell me about what's, what's been your connection with whether it be leaders in our network as you navigate this life, um, leaders in your ministry context, what has that been like for you? I mean, We've got a, a unique project you're working on. Yes. And so it's one of those things that I'd imagine is hard to navigate solo and to, to try and figure out. And so to have friends and family and things like that walk alongside in the journey. Tell me tell me about that, what that's like. Well, I have to say um, my friends and my family, they've, you know, they've known me pretty much my whole life. Mm. So they got on, they got on board. I call it the Jesus train. They jumped on the Jesus train with me really quickly. Um, and so when I need something, when I, uh, yeah, I can turn to them really easily. Mm. Um, 
I keep really deep connections with my friends and my family and my partners as well. Um, I think it's important, you know, community is important as a missionary. I'm thousands of miles away for a lot of my life. And so the only way I have to, I have to intentionally focus on relationships. Mm. Um, And the partners who have joined me on this journey, Mm. they know me well. Wow. You know, Um, and, uh, and I'm grateful for each and every one of them because they pray for me. Mm. It's not just about finances. You know, I've said it several times in the last couple of weeks, partnership does not equal finances. Mm. It equals relationship. Wow. And we need to make sure we keep first things first, right? Mm. Because, because, um, God cares about people. Mm. Money will always come. Hmm. He's got that covered. But we're supposed to be in each other's lives in in a whole other way. Hmm. And so for prayer warriors and prayer partners to come alongside me, for for people to uh, support me in other ways, if hmm. they can't support me financially, if whatever reason, you know, I find that really important. Wow. That's good. It's good to have that, that system of people that come alongside. and It's super important. Yeah. You, I couldn't survive otherwise. You know, I don't have, I don't have a husband, Mm. right? I'm a single missionary. Mm. And so life on the field, it's me and the community I create. Wow. And so I am intentionally all the time Mm. creating community and teams. It's what I do. Mm. It's something God's put in inside of me innately. Mm. Um, I love talking with people. (laughs) I'm, I'm an introvert, but I'm an extroverted introvert. So Um, there are times when I have to pull back and regroup, Mm. but when I have these times where I can talk to people, oh, I just love it. Wow. You know, and that's what I want to create with the bridge Mm. because artists are, are really introverted folk Mm. and, but they need to know how loved they are, how the, how their lives have purpose. You know, God placed inside of me this space in my heart with just such love for the artistic Mm. community. And, and I know that so many of them are broken Mm. and hurting and they just need to know they're loved. And that's my job Mm. to be the hands and feet of Jesus to the artistic community, wherever I am. Mm. So, well, thank you for answering that call. Mm -hmm. It's blessing all of us in the process. We're getting, some of the wash from that and realizing that, yeah, God has so graciously equipped us to do what he's calling us and it's part of our story and things like that. So Amen. Brenda, thank you so much. Um, I've got to ask, can you, a final imparting word and encouraging word as we get to wrap up our time here, um, just encourage the ministers who are going to listen to this podcast and hear your story and um, what would you like to say to them? Or, or yeah. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you for doing what you do. Because without you following your call and being obedient to the call of God on your life, which I know is not easy, no matter the region you're in, it's not easy being a pastor. You know, people are hard. (laughs) (laughs) No way. (laughs) Wait, what? Um, So so thank you very much because uh, your obedience helps God continue to move people out into the world, including myself, to reach the lost and build the kingdom. And without you being obedient, 
I couldn't do what I do. And I wouldn't be who I am. And I wouldn't be able to go where I'm supposed to go. So it is, it is a family bond that we share. And I'm grateful to be a part of Southern New England. Brenda, thank you for sharing your story. As a, a storyteller sharing a story. And we're excited to see where your story continues to go. The chapters that are yet to be written. But thank you for sharing us uh, how God's brought you here. And we'll continue to keep you in prayer. And thank you for your time today. Awesome. Thank you.